1: The Action Network Podcast, named best betting podcast or radio
2: show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go.
3: Fight
1: in the North. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the college football betting preview week two. I'm um, stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. You ready to get into a, a slightly bigger card than
3: last week? It's it bigger and bigger every week. We're going to have the ACC this week, and a couple weeks we'll have some SEC football. I can't tell you how much of my time I've started to dedicate to tracking COVID cases. I feel like a a public health department to find out when are the tests happening? How many have come up positive? Is it staff? Is it players? I mean, this is uh, now overtaking the full handicap of college football.
1: Uh, I've just come to the realization and acceptance that this year you're going to have some wins that make you look like a genius early on in the season and some losses that make you look like a complete an Utter Moron, which happened last week with Middle Tennessee.
0: Hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song?
1: It looks and like, I mean, there's just going to be some teams that are way underprepared with everything that happened in the summer and some teams that are really prepared. And then, you know, I heard the Twitter narratives last week where it's like, Oh, well, Army was is a service academy. Of course they were prepared. Well, d- yeah, fast forward to a couple days later, Navy looks like they uh, have not been tackling or practicing, and they got absolutely boat raced by BYU. Some of these things you can try and predict. Some of them you're just going to get these flat-out just egg lays. That's it. Uh, and you just have to accept that. You're going to be on the right side of, right side of some – the wrong side of others. I mean, middle's had to save one. I mean, to lose that bad to Army is so embarrassing. And like the end of the half, it's like you can get right back in this game. You had some bad turnovers. You gave up a third and long and a pass, and then it's it's you have first and goal at the two, and you get you snap it over your head, and then you just take thirty seconds to snap the ball. It with thirty seconds left, with two timeouts, and you just complete an out and go to the locker room. I mean, that's inexcusable. I don't care if you didn't practice at all. That's just like, have you watched football before? You timeouts, use one. So that I had to get that out there. I don't
3: know how they don't get any points out of that situation. Davis or at least four him. shots at the end zone if you're not going to get uh, points. Stocks did not get any points right there. His team was completely unprepared. Didn't let on to it either. His team was completely unprepared. They absolutely under-executed from anything that we've ever seen before. Clock management was bad. It was almost like they didn't want to go over the 27-and-a-half Uh, total for the first half, and then to come out and sit Asher O'Hara and just, you know, call it a day, you've got us beat, Uh, you know, good good win for Army, but, you know, it seems like we can take some of these advanced stats and these returning production numbers and whoever the best player, it seems like we could just throw it out the window because this week one uh, has been wild.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it just shows, you see this in the NFL too, you can't pay too much attention to these reports in camp like army was apparently a mess
3: they're talking to their players through the media i mean munkin i said this on the podcast last week munkin came out on cbs sports he had a video that was on army's uh twitter feed and it said we're not prepared our offensive line isn't in sync we're not getting it done uh i beg to differ uh i i would say that they were completely prepared and that they were in sync and that the triple option is just fine
1: yeah we'll get to some army later now the good thing about having a slate like this there's 13 fps games for Saturday. There's no Friday Night Lights, unfortunately. And there's six FCS games. We'll get to those. We'll talk our favorite underdog Moneyline Parlay. And each of us will have one of those, and then we'll talk our favorite overdog, which is our favorite favorite for those of you that are new here. It's called the Overdog Parlay. Someone who called in and said, start betting more overdogs. So I thought he thought the opposite of underdogs or overdogs. And then it turns out later in the year, someone sends me an old definition that like hundreds of years ago, In some reference, I think horse race is something. You actually did call the favorites overdogs. Shocking. But uh, before we get into some of these games and what we like, uh, I do want to mention a contest that's out there. I mentioned last week on the podcast, we now, thanks to you guys, have an official uh, podcast sponsor, BetMGM. And they are offering – In conjunction with us, the Action Pod Tournament of Champions, now live. It's a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament. It's specifically for our podcast listeners. There's no rake. You can join just by clicking on the link in our episode description. The top 10 weekly finishers, I mean, just do it. Even if you don't play DFS, just enter. The top 10 weekly finishers receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. The top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale. And then there, you'll compete for the grand prize, which is a Las Vegas trip for two, valued at over $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM. You can join it every week. It's free, no rake. Just click on the link in our episode description. Shout out to BetMGM for that. Also, make sure you have the Action Network app. Uh, Check out all of our content for this upcoming weekend and on Um, actionnetwork.com. All right, so let's get into the first game here.
2: It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week two.
1: And we'll start with our five marquee games. And yeah, it's not real. There's not really these enormous great matchups this week, but we'll start with the five, I think, most interesting matchups. We'll talk about the rest thereafter before going three and out and getting out of here. So let's start with Syracuse, North Carolina. North Carolina at BetMGM right now is a uh, 23.5 point favorite over under sitting at 65.5. You know, this line opened at 20 and a half. I'd still like North Carolina at under 24 for the game and at under 14 for the first half. We know what this North Carolina offense is. It's one of, the, I don't know, a top 10 offense in the country. Sam Howell, quarterback, who was a freshman last year in a new system with a extremely young offense. And he still put up the numbers. He did 2,000-yard receivers are back. They basically have 2,000-yard running backs that are back as well. And their offense at the end of the year was just rolling. So I, I expect this offense to just come out um, and put up points against a Syracuse defense that has some talent in the secondary, Andre Sisco, and, you know, there's, there's some talented pieces there. But, you know, up front, it's kind of a mess. And at linebacker, I mean, they graduated two of their best linebackers, and then Tyrell Richards, who was supposed to be the leader of the unit, he opted out. And they're also transitioning to a new defensive scheme, a three three five scheme, and they didn't have any spring. I mean, it's a mess. Syracuse is just a mess on both sides of the ball. The other side of the ball, Syracuse offensive line, oh boy. I mean, you want to talk about a disaster last year. This I, Tommy DeVito's is back at quarterback. He just didn't get any time to throw. This year, you have a guy that was that for the past couple of years played fullback and tight end. I think he was number eight. He's now going to be starting at left guard week one. He, I think he's the smallest offensive lineman in college football. He had to change his number to 63. The reason he chose 63 is because it's the opposite of 36, which he was in high school. The last time he played on the offensive line was in middle school. I mean, this is an ACC team. This is going to be starting at left guard. The weakness on this North Carolina defense is their defensive line. You can, like, line up and just – they lost a lot on their defensive line. But I, I don't think that Syracuse can take advantage here, especially when you consider that Mo Neal's gone. Their top two backs opted out, Abdul Adams uh, and Javon Howard. That leaves Juwan Johnson now all of a sudden – as a lead back, and in Dino Babers' offense, the lead back is is relaying all the adjustments, and he's really important in their no huddle offense. So I don't see Syracuse in this new defense hitting many stops against Carolina. They're not going to grind it and run it. They're going to go up tempo. It's going to increase the amount of possessions. Um, this Syracuse is one of the teams that I had highlighted and markered early in the season as just high potential of being completely awful and impacted by all the changes that they're dealing with uh, from a scheme perspective and roster perspective as well. What are your thoughts on uh, Hughes and UNC opening up the ACC season?
3: Well, the number was definitely good at 20 and a half. Um, You know, I've got it power rated around there. And so it's probably going to trickle up to 24 as you and I are podcasting about this on Thursday night. I'm sure by the time Saturday comes around, uh, we're going to have to try to find a number where some people are going to take Syracuse because there's not a lot to like here. Starting on the UNC side, you know, we mentioned how explosive they are with De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsome uh, with Sam Howell as their quarterback. I think the biggest question is inside practice reports. They say that Sam Howell is taken to the next level by his film study and how much work that he's actually putting in. Will that correlate to him being more than just a fourth quarter Superman? Will he be a first quarter, second quarter, first half player for one of the most offensive, you know, explosive offenses in the nation? Uh, who returns 87 percent of their production from last year so you know the unc practice reports they're COVID free uh apparently it's been a COVID free camp uh, which is amazing considering what's going on in the north carolina campus what's going on with this explosive offense is it's really turned the secondary into something to be uh, forced to be reckoned with they have talent in their secondary but they get to go up against the best wide receivers in the nation every day so I love this North Carolina team. we talked about them on the ACC preview about how they are the one team that nobody's mentioning that actually has a shot to do some damage in this conference. Syracuse not so much. Uh, I think the slide is going to continue. Uh, Syracuse returns just sixty one percent of an offense uh, that was one hundred and fourteenth in success rate uh, that's really bad on top of that we talk about scheme change on the defensive side of the ball. The Syracuse team is going from a four two five to a three three five that's not light, right? That's not just a light uh, change to make. They had just three spring practices uh, to get that defense down. And then they had multiple practices at the beginning of August where they didn't practice because of COVID. There were concerns about COVID going through the team, but more importantly, practice, they were sitting out in the first and second week of August because they felt that the testing was not up to par in the player's eyes to keep them safe. So Syracuse defensive players have not had the time to learn this new scheme. That is going to play well for Sam Howell. I think the one thing that I'm more interested in is does Sam Howell and, and North Carolina come out of the gate hot, or does he stare at that three-three-five, which can be deceiving and a little tough for quarterbacks to figure it out who haven't seen it before. Does it take him a quarter before he figures it out, makes the correct read, starts hitting some bombs down the field? So if you've missed out on this number – if North Carolina starts out hot, you may never get it live again. But I am absolutely looking for Sam Howell to have his first two drives to stare at the three three five, and have him take a couple of series before he figures it out. And if that number ever dips down below, you know, twenty one, it's going to be time to fire live. But yeah, this is North Carolina all the way, and Syracuse is going to have problems for the rest of the year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think we talked about with North Carolina last year too is new
1: coordinators, right? So this is the second year, and we like both coordinators in Longo and Bateman, and this is the second year of both their systems. They bring a lot back. So this is where you would see the jump with, you know, a freshman quarterback who had a lot of success as a freshman. The one thing that I would – and, look, I'm, I'm usually in full agreement with you when you say the three three five can confuse quarterbacks. I just don't know if Syracuse number one is going to be able to execute it. Well, look, Tony White, their new defensive coordinator, he's the only one on the staff that knows the three three five. So it's not like their whole staff and assistants were help, helping implement this throughout the summer. I, just a nightmare situation. And then on top of that, they have no linebackers. Linebackers are so raw. People talk about Sam Howell and these receivers, rightfully so. But UNC has two really good backs. The Syracuse run defense last year was a disaster. Like uh, North Carolina early just might be able to hand it off and get seven, eight yards a carry um, and go right up and down the field. So I agree. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's all North Carolina here. And, uh, yeah, if they do start slow though, I'm with you getting the Tar Heels live. All right. I'm actually really excited for the second game in App State, Charlotte, a little in-state battle. We're staying in North Carolina. Uh, this game's at noon Eastern at BetMGM. App State is our 16 and a half point favorite over under 59 and a half. I know that you got some 17 or above. I have some 17 club lit, uh, which if you don't know is the nickname for Charlotte and, uh, their head coach healy when they win a game they have like a club party like strobe lights and they're all dancing with their shirts off in the <laughs> locker room this game last year was wild app state won 56 to 41 no one could get a stop uh charlotte's led by chris reynolds uh an excellent dual threat quarterback in their spread option they might even go like five wide this year they have a lot of really talented receivers led by victor tucker he's on the butnikoff award list and cam dollar For my college basketball fans out there, that name should ring a bell back to, like, the 90s UCLA teams. Offense really explosive. Defense did lose a lot, um, and it's probably not going to be great. But Will Healy, he's a great recruiting class. I think it was number one in Conference USA this past offseason. This is a program that's on the rise. App State, you know that they're really consistent year in and year out. They have their quarterback back. Even though they lost Evans, they lost Sutton, their top running back and their top receiver – they do have a veteran offensive line, and Zach Thomas was just really steady and smart uh, back at quarterback. But, you know, App State did recently have to shut down practices for a COVID outbreak. I like this Charlotte team. I think they can keep up with App State. And App State might have a coaching change, COVID mispractices. You have to replace your top back. You Your top receiver opted out. I think Charlotte's live here at 17 and above. Thoughts here?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, this is one of those things where it pays to have a power rating system because when the number opened up around 19, I knew that that was way too much, especially considering hearing the COVID rumors that were going on. Uh, so I was happy to jump on Charlotte at that number. And then when it finally to around where our power ratings are, which is 15 and a half, there's some 16 and a half right there at BetMGM right now. So it was uh, something where I came back today and decided to hit the other side of it. So I, now I have a nice middle of 16 and a half up to 19. And I think I'm going to let that sit because... The thing that worries me about Charlotte, and this is a team that I love and that we backed on the podcast all last season is what they return on defense. I'm just afraid they're not going to be able to stop anybody. 46% of their production from defense comes back. They were 84th in success rate last year. Appalachian state is one of the highest returning production teams in offense. Uh, I don't think, I think the score that we saw last year is pretty similar to the score that we're going to see this year. Uh, so I am more than happy to have a very small window around the key number of 17, uh, and I think it's just going to be a wild game. But for me to, you know, just have a bet going in with Charlotte and think that they're going to win the game, the defense worries me just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they lost their top two corners and they lost Highsmith, their
1: best pass rusher uh, to the NFL. So those hurt. My thinking here is, you know, App State does have to replace a couple pieces in their secondary. My thinking here is with the COVID, with the new coach, regardless. Thomas is going to find a way to score, but I think that Charlotte can ultimately keep up with their offense. And if they can't keep up, there's going to be a backdoor opportunity. And that offense, uh, Chris Reynolds, can certainly slide in the
3: backdoor. Yeah, I would certainly, if you want to back Charlotte, I would certainly wait until game day. I think there'll be some steam on App State and that uh, may push that number above 17.
1: All right, let's move on to our next game here. This is a team that we. Loved last year in Louisiana, as long as they didn't play Appalachian State. Louisiana is catching 11-and-a-half at Iowa State. It's not Brocktober. Louisiana is one of the best teams along with or They're just a, just a tad below Appalachian State uh, in the belt. They're catching 11-and-a-half here at Iowa State. I'll let you take this away. What do you see here?
3: Well, I, Louisiana was great last year, and they really missed some big opportunities with a loaded team to take advantage of App State and Mississippi State. I think they had seven combined turnovers out of those two games that they lost. It seems to be the problem for the last three years is anytime they get into a big situation game with a power five or an App State team, they choke and they choke in the form of turnovers. So, you know, putting the two teams up against each other, the power rating is exactly where I have it at eleven and a half. and uh, Iowa State's defense returned 73% of their returning production and they were 71st in success rate. They do lose their top tackler in Marcus Spears, but they return almost everybody else in the 3-3-5. Now, the 3-3-5 is something ULL is familiar with. Uh, Texas State ran the 3-3-5 last year, and they beat them like a drum. No one's going to mistake the Texas State defense of 2018 to be Iowa State. But ULL, and Levi Lewis specifically, is – Uh, he's familiar with uh, seeing this. So, you know, it shouldn't be anything new for him that should catch him off guard. Matt Campbell, uh, you know, doing some coach speak this week and had some interviews and said that establishing the run against a undersized sunbelt defensive front is something that he wants to do. They can't take the next step in the Big 12 until they learn to establish the run. Montgomery's not coming back through that door. They got to find their next running back. They have to be able to run the ball to relieve Brock Purdy. And remember, We've said this before. You want Brock Purdy to shine? Keep the hands out of his face. Give him some clean targets. Give him some clean looks. You can help him out and get that play action pass going if you have a running game. So, you know, for me, that says that if Iowa State's going to try to establish the run against, you know, an undersized front seven of ULL, um, you know, I think that this game may lack a little bit of scoring. It'd be in both their first games this season. Uh, Lafayette runs at just a lightning pace. But at the same time, they're not going to catch Iowa State deep. Iowa State has some very has some talent in the back seven. That I mean, they are built to defend air raids in the Big 12. So I think, you know, ULL is gonna depend mostly on the run. I think Iowa State's gonna try to establish the run. That has me betting under 57.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that Louisiana's gonna have much success throwing the ball. And is are they gonna be able to run on Iowa State? I mean, Iowa State, their defensive line is really good. Their linebackers are really good. And they, they added a couple Juco transfers are going to fill in a defensive tackle. Bankston, they get Marcus Bailey back at the end. And ULL, they bring back a lot, but this is a team that lost two all-conference offensive linemen. So is that, and that offensive line has been just a rock for them. And, you know, they had three backs. and One of them now is on, I think he made an NFL roster. That just, no matter what, they were getting eight to nine yards because this offensive line was just plowing Defenses, so you do lose two pieces on that offensive line. I agree. As of now, i the good thing about thirteen is you can dig in a little more. There could be some more news. I think this is a complete stay away. All right, let's get into uh, maybe the maybe this will be the most watched game of the day, if I had to guess, and that's Duke Notre Dame. You have a, uh, the entire Midwest is dying for college football, so they might all be tuning into uh, a lot of people throughout the Midwest are not Notre Dame fans. Uh, But before we get to that game, here's a quick word from our friends at BetMGM.
2: The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1 800 9 it in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now back to the show.
1: All right, let's talk Duke Notre Dame at BetMGM. Notre Dame is a 20 and a half point favorite. This line dipped down a little bit and has come back up. I don't think it's crossed any key numbers, not that I saw over under 54 and a half. Uh, I know you fancy the under here. What do you see in this matchup?
3: Well, I think the number is pretty spot on for a Notre Dame team. Uh, I actually have a power related just a little bit less, but I mean, let's talk about why I like the under much more here. Uh, I mean, from both sides of the ball, let's start with Duke. David Cutcliffe came out, didn't fire his offensive coordinator, just made the statement, I'm taking over play calling duties. I haven't called plays since 2007. I'm now the offensive coordinator. I'm the one that's going to be called the plays. And after he said that, he said, I am going to have Duke football back to running the ball. Running the ball is Duke football, and we need to do that again to be a successful team. So that was something he said back in February. That's something he's maintained through the summer. Uh, so Cutcliffe is going to dust it off, whether he's great out of the gate or whether he's rusty at calling plays during the game. We don't know, but establishing the run is something I expect him to try to do, especially with Chase Bryce transferring in from Clemson. If you remember that name, uh, that's the person that saved uh, Clemson's perfect season. You know, when Trevor Lawrence was knocked out right after Kelly Bryant decided to transfer, you know, Duke only had three spring practices. So whatever it is that they were trying to establish with their new offensive play calling with Cutcliffe and with Chase Bryce, uh, there just, you know, wasn't a whole bunch of time to get prepared here. You're about to go up against an Irish defense under Clark Lee that continues to be one of the best in the nation by far. 28th in success rate last year. I'm surprised he's still a defensive coordinator. He is a future head coach, and I, you know, Notre Dame's defense is going to be you – know, he's a Mike Elko protege, and he's proven to be every bit as good as Mike Elko uh, since he left and went to Texas A&M. So I expect, at least from Notre Dame's standpoint, to stop Duke and what they're trying to do and stifle them trying to run. Now, Chase Bryce is – Covered in transfers and new faces. Offensive line, I think, has three transfers in there. Uh, his weapons, every single weapon he has on the outside is a transfer that's come in. There's a lot of new faces, including himself, for David Cutcliffe to be calling the plays. So I think that's going to be a problem for Duke to score points. Let's flip it over to the Notre Dame side. Notre Dame also has a new offensive coordinator. Tommy Rees was responsible for calling the plays in the Camping World Bowl, in which they beat Iowa State uh, and put 33 points up on the board. Uh, So Tommy Reese has now got to defend himself, but you should take note that in that box score, he had a heavier rush rate than what Notre Dame's rush rate was last year. It wasn't much, but he does favor the rush more than he does the pass. And consider the fact that Ian Book loses his top three targets. He lost 242 targets with two wide receivers and a tight end that have moved on. Chase Claypool, uh, Komet, not a single other wide receiver on this entire roster right now had more than 25 targets last year. I'm talking targets, not even catches, just targets alone. Notre Dame has one of the best offensive lines in the nation, if not the best, should be a heavy rush call. Ian Book has to get familiar with all these new targets that he has. Duke's going to try to establish the run going up against one of the best defenses in the nation. I think this game is under City.
1: Well, I mean,
3: you, pretty, you summed it
1: up pretty well. I was leaning under, and as you were uh, talking, I went and bet the under. So that's basically the job of this podcast. I feel like a podcast listener there. So, look, I'm okay with this game. I didn't. I thought the the line was about right. I was leaning under, and uh, you made the case for it. So, listeners, we can move on. And for the fifth marquee game of the day, and we'll get we're going to touch on the rest of the games. But uh, the reason I chose Arkansas State and Kansas State here is I think this is going to tell us a lot about. Many different things. This Arkansas State Kansas State game, mainly because Kansas State has not played this year, and Arkansas State did. Uh, they got me a cover a middle actually. One of the there's only a couple games. One of the the good things that the few good things that happened to me last weekend in college football. They got a cover. They played last week. This will be the second game of the year for Arkansas State. Meanwhile, Kansas State would be playing their first game of the year. So, what is this is it, is our teams that got to play once already? And we're going to see this a lot this weekend. Are they going to have a leg up on these teams that have yet to play? You know, you didn't really get to go through your spring and summers were shortened, blah, blah, blah. Getting that full game out there. Just, I remember playing football, you know, the first day of tackling, right? The first practice when you actually said, all right, we're going full full pads, we're tackling. Like, you're a little rusty tackling. And then once you get hit a couple times and then you, you kind of get back into it, you know, more so than usual. This is an interesting spot. We're going to see quite a few times this weekend. So we saw Arkansas State is, you know, their offense is still can put up yards. They can put up points. We know that they're going to do that. Kansas State rebuilt their entire offensive line. They had to rebuild their secondary. You know, they lost a lot all uh, across the roster. They do still have a senior quarterback in Skylar Thompson. The most interesting thing about this game, besides the Arkansas State has played, Kansas State is not, is this is the complete opposite in tempo and time of possession. I mean, you you want to talk about Kansas State. What they want to do is run the ball. They want to have the ball the entire game. They're a snail. And Arkansas State, let's go fast. We're going to maybe have a lot of three and outs. We're going to have some big plays. We're going to throw it down the field, and we're going to go fast. And we're probably not going to have a high time of possession. I mean, they 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 lost, they got killed in the time of possession battle against Memphis. Uh, Memphis is not known for winning the time of possession battle. So there is a huge contrast in styles here. I tend to think this line is – a little high, giving credit to Arkansas State for how they looked last week. They did look prepared. They looked competent, and they
3: got that game out of the way, which I think is going to mean something this year. Thoughts on this game? They had a decent box score. It wasn't a fraud at all. They really gave Memphis a, a run here, and, and, boy, you said it right. You couldn't find two different style or contrasting uh, as far as pace. I mean, we're talking Arkansas State's 22nd second and seconds per play. Kansas State 127th in seconds per play. So who's going to dictate the pace in this game? You know, I don't really see much value in the side. Uh, I think the number's about right at double digits. I think anything below 10 is probably a little bit of a lean to K-State. I think anything at 13 uh, is a look at Arkansas State. One thing you need to remember these teams is that Arkansas State has already played Memphis, and they had 11 spring practices. It showed that they had that extra work last week when they played Memphis in a, in a pretty sweatless cover, and Kansas State, zero spring practices. So a team with zero spring practices and 18 offensive linemen on this roster, 18 offensive linemen on this roster. Only two have starting experience, Josh Revis, Logan Long. That's a lot of offensive linemen that have not seen any game time, didn't get any spring practices. So even though Arkansas State is a sunbelt team and they should be inferior in talent, as far as K-State goes, just the whole game experience thing is is crazy here. So, I mean, Skylar Thompson is an explosive quarterback, somebody we like to bet on. Uh, you know, K-State was 32nd in passing EPA, uh, but the offensive line couldn't control the line of scrimmage. I mean, they were 109th in stuff rate. They were 84th in sack rate. And what that means is, is they can't control the line of scrimmage against any of their competition last year uh, and they want to play at a snail's pace. Uh, so I expect, you know, Kansas state to, to try to establish themselves with a really slow pace, keep the ball out of Arkansas state's hand. Arkansas state, they'll use both quarterbacks. They don't make any mistakes. They can hang around in this game. Now, for me, I'm betting Arkansas State money line. I got it at plus 270 earlier today on the money line. Oh. You can look at that number at Bet GM. But for a Kansas State team that has, <laughs> has no offensive lineman whatsoever and has had no spring practices uh, going up against a team that isn't bad. I mean, Arkansas State isn't trash. They're not UTEP. Uh, a team that's already played a game and had 11 spring practices – for me, it's just an auto buy on Arkansas State Moneyline. Will they win the game outright? I don't know. But Moneyline, count me in. I agree. And you're uh, you're kind of jumping the gun. A little spoiler alert. Um, maybe
1: that play will show up in the underdog Moneyline parlay. All right, so that wraps up our marquee games of the day. We're going to get to the rest in some form or fashion. The first one that I will talk about is driving me insane I can't stop looking at it. And that is Louisiana, Monroe, and Army. Um, Army, I, look, the, the thing was with Middle Tennessee, I love fading Army as a as a favor. The worst worst performing favor over the past 15 years. But, I mean, when I do this, you know, these service academy trends, it's like the trends are really good because they hit 60%. So, I mean, it's not like you expect it to hit 100%. The trends with the service academy, and I've been over this a million times, with how they get, you know, it's, they're really bad bets as favorites, especially double-digit favorites, especially favorites of 21 points. The reason, they just control the clock. The clock is running the whole time. You know, it's, it's very difficult for a favorite to cover one way or the other in a Service Academy game. Double-digit favorites, I mean, they're, they're like 39% the Service Academies over the past 15 years. I guess the spread.
0: Hey, you maggots understand that? Sir! Yes, sir! Bullshit, I can't hear you! Sir.
1: The problem is, it, ULM is who I have to bet. The strength of ULM's team is their secondary. They have Strauder and Glass. So it's like, but that doesn't really matter here. They shut down practices over the past month for a COVID outbreak. They shut down practices over the past month for a hurricane. Their defensive coordinator resigned last week. They have a new defensive coordinator who's been there for like days. So they haven't really been practicing against the option. But and, and the hurricane of corona cost them double digit practices over the past month and a scrimmage. So it's like uh, they got to replace Caleb Evans. They have they have four offensive linemen they have to replace their best receiver. And McCray is gone. I mean, this team is a mess. They have a really good running back in Johnson. I feel like without practices, it, they, have, they, they have to find a new quarterback. It's like they're just going to hand it to Johnson. I mean, I, it's part of he wants to bet the under here, but I, I, I everything inside of me says that I have to bet. Ulm because Army is a 21-point favorite, but there's a reason this line has been going up. ULM has questions all over the roster. Evans was just did everything for them a quarterback, and they haven't been practicing. The new defensive coordinator resigned. I mean,
3: it's a disaster. Thoughts here? The number is outrageous. It should, it should not be 21. It should be more like 13. Maybe eleven. I mean, it should not be. But this there's a high. real chance that we get another Middle Tennessee. Is the problem? I know. Like, I know, and and that's the whole thing. And in this day and age, with COVID uh, and everything else that's going on, and the fact I want everybody to remember this too: Stucky and I talk about power ratings and stuff, and they're much more important in October and November than they are in September. We're still learning about these teams. We need three weeks that's so that issue. we can, yeah, we got to assimilate success rate. We got to assimilate havoc. We got to assimilate. Stuff rate, all these things, if you're new to the podcast, all these advanced stats that we talk about, we need time to find out the identity of these teams. So, you know, Army, uh, should they be favored by 21?
2: Sir, no, sir!
3: Absolutely not. That is way too much. But at the same time, ULM, lost their defensive coordinator a week ago, dismissed himself, uh, retired. And let's talk about what ULM has done against triple options. If you check out the box scores against Georgia Southern in the past couple of years, they've been blown out of the water. Georgia Southern has had no problem scoring points against ULM. So can ULM stop a triple option offense?
2: Sir, no, sir!
3: You know, ULM returns 29% of their offensive returning production. We talk about the ULM defensive coordinator leaving. Their offensive returning production is 29%. Their success rate on defense last year was 118th. They, they can't stop anybody. If this was done on yards per play and pace, I would have made the total of 51 at the end of last year. There's a couple things that make me want to bet the over on this, not just from a mathematical standpoint, but Army can name it. I think Army's gonna I think Army with finishing drives and controlling the clock and the possessions, I think they're gonna be able to score when they want to score. It's gonna be a lot like Middle Tennessee State. And they're gonna be and they're gonna be able to do anything they want. I think something that kind of surprised me was that Tyrell Robinson, who is listed as a running back, wears number 37, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like he he lines up in different positions and he may be the most dynamic Army player that I've seen in years. He averaged 10.4 yards per carry last week, whether that's a a shuttle pass in front of him or whether that's a rush out of the backfield. He moves faster than anybody else, than than Sandon or anybody, a fullback or anybody else that's coming out of that Army backfield. And I have a feeling that if they get to a certain point, they might try to throw the ball. I imagine they'll run their triple option and they'll have success. But I think there's – a real dynamic playmaker on this roster freshman Tyrell Robinson who went you know 10.4 yards per carry last week and we haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg with this kid there's a real chance this game goes over the total uh ULM wants to add any points great thanks for the help uh they should be more prepared than what we got out of Middle Tennessee State that was the bottom of the barrel in preparation so I think I'm gonna look over here I might be. It's probably going to be a Saturday morning decision, but uh, I, I do like I do like a little bit of over here, especially. And keep your eye on Tyrell Robinson. This might
1: be our first head the head of the year. I might be betting the under. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, Army, regardless of what they're going to do, the clock's going to be speed racing. Last week they did get lucky with turnovers, like they got so many mm-hmm. short fields early. I just don't know what you're going to get from the ULM offense. Like they haven't been practicing. They have to replace Caleb Evans, their best rec- and their best receiver, and four offensive linemen. All they have is a good running back. So like. Are they just going to come out here and just run it and be very, very vanilla early on after just getting no reps, nothing? They scrimmage canceled. I mean, uh, yeah,
3: it's it's the,
1: bad for ULM.
3: So the I mean, maybe they come out and sling it. But the comparison that you're missing here is that ULM's defense doesn't hold a torch to Middle Tennessee, and I know Middle Tennessee looked terrible, but we're talking ULM is like bottom ten in line yards, bottom ten in, in stuff rate, bottom ten and things that you have to have. Army, if you thought they had their way last week, I think they're really going to have their way this week. I
1: will end up betting ULM at plus 21. I have to at a principal. Now, whether it's just $5 to say that I bet it, and if ULM covers, I won't end up... Remember I bet Michigan against the Army? I went against my um, <laughs> all of my principals, and it was I was livid for weeks. I still am livid right now.
0: Well, no shit. I admire your honesty.
1: So I at least will at least put like $5 on it. So I could say I bet it or something. But, yeah, this game's going to drive me nuts. All right, let's move on here to – let's move on to Georgia Tech, Florida State. I bet MGM, Florida State's a 12 and a half point favorite, over under 52.5. Georgia Tech, look, you expect progression in that program over time. Last year they were in an impossible situation, moving from a triple option to a more modern offense. The offense is still going to struggle, I would imagine – We still don't know the starting quarterback's going to be this year. It's going to be, I think, a decision at the opening kick, whether it's Graham or this kid Jeff Sims. FSU still has lots of questions with their offensive line. It's Blackman back at quarterback. They have to replace Cam Akers at running back, but they have some talent there to do so, and they have one of the best wide receivers in the country, and to Marion Terry, watching him against Swilling, their corner for Georgia Tech is one of their better players, should be fun. The FSU defense has a ton of talent ton of talent. I mean, they're switching to a 4-3. You have a new coach, obviously, here with Florida State. So what are they going to look like? A lot of questions here. But Marvin Marvin Wilson's a stud in the middle. You have uh, Asante Samuel, Jr. on the outside. You have a lot of talent on this defense. It has potential. The linebacker's a little iffy. It's a defense that's underperformed. But I think that if they show up here, and there's a lot of questions on what has happened with prep under a new staff, they should be able to hold this Georgia Tech offense in check. And if the FSU offensive line can't block uh, any – like they haven't the past couple of years, they might struggle too. My first thought was to look at the under here, which isn't coming
3: down. But there's there's a lot a lot of uncertainty here. Thoughts? Based on last year's totals, we would have had this at 45. A big portion of that is the fact that Georgia Tech can't score for a lick. I'm not in the habit of backing, you know, first-year coaches, new, new situations uh, with what's going on at Florida State. I definitely wouldn't want to back their side in this. Uh, And I love, you know, Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins is able to get them all to focus, even though, you know, this is going to be a hell of a rebuild and he deserves at least three years before he puts any kind of product on the field. Uh, They played extremely hard for him throughout the end of the year. So I expect a scrappy uh, Georgia Tech defense, kind of like what we had at the end of last year. They returned 94 percent of their production on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, They were 80th in success rate, which is a major like he should be considered for coach of the year. Uh, Offensively, they were a dumpster fire, 123rd in success rate. So I don't expect any points out of Georgia Tech. I expect them to play good defense. Florida State, on the other hand, not a team I'm looking to back, but they return 83% of their defense. Uh, They were 73rd in success rate. But there is a lot of familiarity on both sides of the ball on the defense, the same players they had last year in place this year. That makes me want to take an under on this game. And if it was based on last year's projections, it would go well under this number. Uh, I think it's going to keep moving down. Um, I, you know, the more I keep talking about it, I think I might lay into a first half under before some more steam hits this thing.
1: I think we're in agreement there. Under is the look. All right, let's move on to the next game here. And that's Clemson Wake at BetMGM. MGM. Clemson is now a 33 and a half point favorite over under 59 and a half. I remember laying it with Clemson last year in this matchup and it was just an absolute beatdown. hard to envision anything other than that this time around, but there are more questions than normal, uh, with this Clemson roster, but Wake just lost so much. Uh, any reason to even look in the direction of the Deeks here?
3: Yeah, this is going to be a bad, I mean, I'm glad it's prime time. It's getting all the, the publicity and everything, but, and and by the time you and I, Right now, 33-and-a-half at uh, Bet MGM. and I, I suspect this number will be closer to 35 by the time that we get to kick. Uh, projected number, 34-and-a-half. No real value on it whatsoever. I think it's important to note, if you read into so, some of the things going on between these two teams, Dave Clawson, uh there was some sort of statement where, you know, like Dave Clausen thanked Dabo for putting in the second string like in the second quarter, and they were running base plays, and they still blew them out of the water. This series the last two years, Wake has been beaten 115 to six, 115 points to six. You know, Clemson is laying off in the second quarter with their second string, and they're not running any fancy plays, and they're still blowing them out of the water. Wake lost huge names on this offense. Hinton, Washington, Surratt as targets, Jamie Newman, gone. New offensive identity for all these players going up against a Brett Venables defense that just reloads blue-chip talent. No thank you. I don't want anything to do with Wake as far as them scoring points. Now let's look at the flip side of the ball. Can Clemson cover the number? Can Clemson cover the number? And how does this pertain to the total? Trevor Lawrence, he has four new offensive linemen. Uh, Jackson Carmen is still there, but there are four new faces. I, I know they're loaded with talent. I know everybody's going to say, oh, it doesn't matter. They're, they're you know the best recruiters in the world, and they can just reload. I get that. But this is game one, and you know there are four new offensive linemen. And let's not forget, T. Higgins is now a Cincinnati Bengal, and Justin Ross is out for the year. There are not a lot of throwing options for Trevor Lawrence that he is familiar with, at least from a game experience standpoint. So for me, considering that the Wake defense and the front seven actually has two or three talented players that can get pressure on quarterbacks in the conference, and there's four new offensive linemen, which they still need their own continuity to play together. I'm looking at a first half under here. I think, you know, if we look at Trevor Lawrence last year against Georgia Tech, very first game, very first half, he had two INTs. It's not like he came out of the gate firing in the first game last season. So, uh, you know, I'm going to take a first half under here. Uh, I don't expect Wake to score any points whatsoever. And I think if Trevor Lawrence wants to find any of his new targets deep, it ain't going to be – it will not be until the end of the game. So, first half under for me.
1: Yeah, the question to ask here, and I asked myself this for the Texas game too, is these teams that are heavy favorites in the the non-conference games and they're only going to play like one, are, are they incentivized to keep their starters in longer this year? Because, you know, you have lack of prep and you want to get as much time in as possible before conference play? Or are you incentivized to show even less because you only just have this one game against a cupcake and then you're going to get right into conference play? I don't know. Right. So maybe different teams handle it differently. All right. I agree. It's a complete truck. I, I don't think I will be betting that game. But I refuse to backwake. All right, let's move on here to a, a much more interesting game uh, in a battle uh, in Kentucky, and that's Western Kentucky against Louisville. At Bet MGM right now, this line is sitting at 11, Louisville minus 11 and a half over under 58. Uh, look, the Western Kentucky, when you think of this team, or you should think experience, they have 17 senior starters. They only lost four players from last year's two deep on their defense. Their top six tacklers return. They have a monster in defensive end, D'Angelo Malone. On the other side, Juwan Jones is a really good defensive end. Now, they're going to go – it's a legit defense. This was a top-20 defense last year. They're going to go against a, a Louisville offense that's explosive. You have Cunningham at quarterback, Hawkins at running back, Atwell wide receiver. This, this team could score. Now, the one weakness is a tackle. They lost Beckton in the NFL, and Western Kentucky has power five DNs. Uh, I mean, Malone's going to play in the NFL. So how much disruption can he cause? On the other side of the ball, you know, Western Kentucky brings back Walker, who's a stud running back. They're going to feed him against a horrific Louisville rush defense. Uh, But there's questions at quarterback. They have to replace your boy, Story. And they're going to do so with someone who does have some experience, and Terrell Pigram, who transferred from Maryland. But he's been shaky at times. He has some legs and he can run. But this is a really interesting matchup to me. I think that the Western Kentucky defense – can potentially get enough stops. They're not going to completely stop Louisville, uh, but while feeding Walker against the bad Louisville defense to stay within this number. So as of now, I'm leaning towards the tops. One of those teams that I just have at the top of my board of like so much experience, love this defense. Oh, so many seniors early in this year. What are your thoughts here?
3: Uh, there are people I don't respect and people I do respect that are pushing me over in this game. And so it forced me to t- kind of take a look at uh, – at a you know, closer look at what the total is here, you know, at BetMGM, it's at 58. You know, I can see it from a Louisville offensive perspective. Well, the pieces that you remembered returning, they are 78% returning production. Overall, they were 78% returning production, but it's the same on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, 67th in success rate. Louisville is going to be able to put points up, and they're going to be able to abuse smaller defenses. Uh, I'm not really sure that's Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky returns 89% uh, of their returning production on defense. Uh, they were top 20 in success rate. People still do not understand how great that Western Kentucky defense was last year. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to throw some wrenches in what Louisville wants to do. I, and, you know, Tyrell Pigram comes in. If you know anything about Maryland football uh, you know anything about Pegram, uh, there's going to be some explosive plays. And there's going to be a lot of not moving the chains. There's not high in success rate. Uh, he's really good in, in more explosive plays. I think the thing that leads me to the under, I know everybody's barking about the over. Louisville's going to be able to score points. I agree. Louisville's going to be able to score points. I get it. But these teams ranked 99th and 104th in seconds per play last year. They're not fast. Satterfield does not have them running up and, and, and you know, and, and hiking the ball as fast as possible. These are not no huddle offenses. Western Kentucky was outside the top 100 in explosiveness last year. This is not an offense that's going to be able to get quick points up on the board. You know, I, I project the game. If it was based again, that's all we have yards per play pace this would have been a total of 54 last year. It's at 58. I see it ticking up over. I think there's going to be more narrative that there's going to be a ton of points here. I will wait as long as possible, uh, and I will probably be sticking to my guns and taking a little bit amount on the under once Saturday gets here.
1: Yeah, I think the tops will be worth a play. Mm-hmm. That's my feel there, but good analysis on the total.
3: Dead number, though. Nothing to do with an 11 and a half out there. I would wait until we maybe get a one of those Saturday morning steams to 14. All right, speaking of steam... Uh, let's move on to the last game of the night. We're no longer a
1: Pac-12 after dark. We have Coastal Carolina after dark or Kansas after dark or less miles after dark. Uh, I believe this game – when is this game? Is this at 10 at night? 9 p.m. for that. us
3: here in God. 9 for us in God's country. So is, is it 10, 10 Eastern? 10 Eastern for you, yep. No Hawaii football, but we got Kansas. We got Lawrence. We got Waving the Wheat, the Rock Chalk going on here with the Chance. I can't believe they're starting this game at 10. Uh, it's
1: on FS1. <laughs> Uh, At BetMGM, right now, Kansas is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, over under 56-and-a-half. Here's the thing. I kind of leaned over, which is crazy to say for these two teams, that last year, Coastal in Lawrence – this is the second year they'll play in Lawrence – won the 12-7. The game finished 12-7. Now the over under is 56-and-a-half. Am I crazy to look over? I don't know. Coastal Carolina has a really good running back in C.J. Marable. Taron Jackson's also – awesome defensive end and Kansas is going to feature Puka there's questions about quarterback but it's a second year of Brett Dierman's offense and I think that they're gonna be able to score this year and their defense isn't anything great uh I think this has a chance to actually be a shootout but the first question I gotta ask you before you break this down is I mean what's going on here like there's the line has been all over the place there's been COVID outbreak news on both sides so like I also am like hesitant to get involved with seems like a true Pac-12 after dark mess in Lawrence.
3: Yeah, so I, I, we've had examples of this last year where I have I I can give you all the advanced stats that you want, and then I can tell you what the market is doing. And I can sit here and tell you that Coastal won last year. They beat this Kansas team. I can sit here and tell you that Coastal returns 88% of an offense that was top 20 in success rate. They are a fantastic watch from an offensive standpoint. You're going to get some good offense uh, on TV uh, from Lawrence, especially on the Kansas side too, with Puka playing. I mean, there, there should be some something, some quality here to watch. Um, the number at seven is crazy. Uh, Kansas being favored by seven over anybody in the FBS is really kind of unheard of. Uh, I have this number three and a half. I, I, you know, particularly think Coastal beat them last year. Uh, I'm not sure why they wouldn't beat them here. Uh, but we had this whole thing two weeks ago with Austin P and with Central Arkansas. And what happened when all these covid you know, things came out on Austin P The line didn't move one bit, which makes me think that that number was baked in from the beginning with COVID concerns that were already known. I'm telling you right now, there's another power rating system out there that everybody trusts, and they have this game at a pick. You ask me, it's at least a pick. So what is this number at Kansas minus seven? There's something floating around out there that some people know, because every time, you know, somebody, the, the public or anybody else comes in and takes a piece of seven, and I see it flicker down to six and a half, it's right back up. What I'm telling you is that from an X's and O's standpoint, Coastal is going to be able to score points and hang around and should be able to cover. And I'm telling you from a market read standpoint, Kansas is winning this game. And they're going to win this game by at least seven points. So I can't explain it. Now let's go to the COVID front. (laughs) Lincoln Riley decides to say, we're not going to tell anybody about our COVID results because we need that competitive advantage, which to me is just like the craziest thing ever. Like, Sprained knees and broken ankles and broken arms. That's not contagious, but COVID's contagious, you know, so it's a matter of public health here. But we're going to contain our COVID news because we want to keep a competitive advantage. Kansas has had 14 positive cases. Uh, you do a little bit more research than just that one article that came out. It turns out those 14 cases have been over like the span of the last month and it includes players, coaches, personnel. So we don't know if it's 14 players, we don't know if it's 14 coaches. On the chance side, there's an article that came out earlier today from Jamie Chadwell making comments that made me a little bit more nervous about the money that I have on coastal said, we're just, you know, we're just trying to get by with the COVID testing. We got tested on Monday. We got tested on Wednesday. We will be tested again on Friday night and then we will get on the plane at 9 PM. So the COVID test for for coastal Carolina is 6 PM Friday night, board the plane at 9 PM, get into Lawrence late. He has said that we're just trying to survive or avoid the COVID. It's been concerning. It's been on their mind. It's, uh, he's saying things that don't give me the warm and fuzzies that Coastal has completely avoided the COVID bug. Now, to this point, he has said that four have tested positive. They are backups slash special team players. I'm not going to tell you exactly who they are. You know, I don't know what he's trying to say, what hidden th- – I'm not going to get into coach speak here. My suggestion, if you're listening to this on Friday – those rapid test results are going to happen at 6 o'clock Eastern. They're going to board the plane at 9 p.m. Eastern. You see some Kansas money come into the market. I would say that those test results are very known and exactly who got onto that plane tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Let's go back to the over-under. I think you're exactly right. This Coastal Carolina, this triple option diamond package thing they've got going on, top 20 in success rate last year. They can score. They have so many 50-point games from, from my recent memory. This team could put up points. Kansas Puka Williams, he can put up points. Uh, Coastal can't play defense. It doesn't matter if they're healthy or not. They can be full strength. They can't defend anybody. I think they were 125th ish in success rate on defense. Uh, Kansas can be able to score points. Uh, I'm willing to watch this number kind of play around at the 56 and a half at BetMGM. Uh, if it gets a little bit lower, I will be one of the ones that will be playing the over. I may be with you as well.
1: By the way, you got to love college football in 2020. That's the analysis that you're going to get. College football is getting weird. Um, if there's anyone who's associated with the testing results out there um, that gets results, that does the testing, it seems like you'd have interesting stories to tell. Nothing related to gambling, of course. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'm, j- I'm always looking for new friends, so feel free to reach out via direct message, uh, email, Any way you can. Uh, I would love to just uh, hear some stories about COVID. Not, nothing to do with betting. Um, okay. All right. Let's, before we go three and out here, I do have to mention the shit fest game of the day, uh, FBS game of the day. That's, uh, we got to get a meet-meet. Meet-meet. In here, UTSA and Texas State, the Bobs. The Texas State, maybe they showed you something the other day. UTSA, they actually bring a lot back. But they're going through all kinds of changes. I mean, they're changing their offense. They're changing their defensive scheme. they a new coach. It's uh, there's a quarterback competition. So they have a lot of returning production, but, like, it's not great. And there's a lot of
3: change. Uh, anything on, on the Bobs and UTSA? Yeah, the numbers should be five. It should be Texas State minus five, even with the adjustments of having a fantastic box score against SMU. Uh, UTSA has been faded against this week because their coach came out and said, we've had a bout with COVID. I'm not going to disclose who the players are, I believe eight to 13 its somewhere in that range. There's so many COVID cases, so many games. It's hard to keep track of who it is, but UTSA is having their own bout with COVID. That's the reason this number has ticked up uh, way more than what it should be. We don't know who those players are. So it's moving on the fact that, you know, we don't know, you know, uh, it's nameless players, Texas State should be favored by five, five and a half. I would wait to find out who these players are for UTSA or maybe play it in-game. Uh, for me, if it comes out and it's nobody significant, I would play UTSA at seven and a half and above. Yeah, right now they're plus eight and a half at BetMGM.
1: All right, how to give a Meep Meep shout-out uh, and talk of the Bobs, your boys. All right, before we get out here, let's go three and out.
2: One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out.
1: All right, first down, got to get a little FCS talk in here.
2: Southland or SEC? Big Sky
1: or Big Ten? It's time to play FCS or No. There are six FCS, FBS matchups this week. You have the Citadel in there. You have Missouri State, Oklahoma. Uh, Houston Baptist, Texas Tech, Austin Pete, Pitt, Campbell, Georgia Southern, and Eastern Kentucky, who looked, whoo, last week against West Virginia. You got
3: thoughts on that game? Eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, if you're the kind of better that's keeping track of these spring practices, West Virginia had a total of zero. Eastern Kentucky, they've already played a game. They looked like absolute dog shit against Marshall. They made Marshall look like Marshall could win the Super Bowl. Eastern Kentucky didn't score a point. But they do have game experience, and because of that, they showed the public, they showed everybody in the world that they can't, you know, that they're, they're horrible. And so right now, their stock is as low as it possibly could be. This spread coming out somewhere north of 40 in some different places, uh, this spread really should be around 32 or 30. Eastern Kentucky, stock extremely low. West Virginia, no spring games whatsoever. This is a huge overreaction to what's already been out there. You know, from a second FCS game, keep your eyes on the Camels, on the Campbell Camels. Now, usually, if you're a college baseball fan, we love to watch them compete in the regionals of the College World Series. But, no, they have a football team, and they have a quarterback last year, Lynn Bowdenish, nine TDs rushing, 17 TDs passing, and a 23-yard TD receipt. They also play Kennesaw State yearly, and they lost to Kennesaw State by three last year. So it's not like they aren't familiar with, to Georgia Southern's triple option, Uh, for Georgia Southern to try to cover a spread up in the mid-30s. I guess a team that's seen the triple option before. Georgia Georgia Southern's the slowest team in the nation. Give me Campbell and all those points with a quarterback that is doing it all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Georgia Southern
1: does bring everything back. 100% of the rushing yards. Shea Warts is back at quarterback. Kennedy's back at running back. 100%. And then their offensive line just had tons of injuries last year. They couldn't even snap. I mean, their center position was a mess. They couldn't snap the ball. They get a good transfer in its center. You know, all that experience last year on the offensive line should pay dividends. But, yeah, this line's crazy. This is the good like service academy is laying this many points. So, yeah, that was my look for FCS or no as well. All right, let's move on to second down here. We'll talk favorite overdog of the week. It's called the overdog parlay. I will start. uh, I already went into the start of the podcast. So, if you tune me out and you do want to usually and you just listen to Colin um, or you were busy, just fast take your thing and – rewind it to the start of the show Syracuse is a mess Carolina should be able to throw it they should be able to run it and they should bring pressure against a disastrous Syracuse offensive line defense going through all kinds of changes just should be a mess
3: Colin there's no more laughable team in college football in the FBS level right now than UTEP
1: we're talking minor nation
3: out in the west Texas town of El Paso
1: picks up
3: Uh, That number is 42-and-a-half at BetMGM. It should be more like 47-and-a-half, according to our power ratings. I don't know if the Miners score a point. So, Overdog, give me Texas. Yep,
1: I agree. Still wait for that to go under 42. If it doesn't, I still like it. But, yeah, UTEP last week, they could have easily, easily lost to Stephen F. Austin. I don't think they can score. The only question I have here is, like, does Texas say we kind of have new schemes? Do they say we need to get as much work as possible? Or do they say, all right, we have a big lead. Let's save some looks. Let's save our health. That's really the only question here, but I agree. I don't think UTEP scores unless it's luck or junk time. I agree on that call as well. All right, uh, for our last segment on third down, uh, let's talk our underdog Moneyline Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh, I'm going to go with something we already talked about here. And I think you played the first half Arkansas State Moneyline. I'm going to play the game Moneyline here. And I just think there's – I'm going to go with the upside, which is what I want to do with an, a Moneyline underdog. And the upside here is that they played, and I know what I'm going to get from Arkansas State, right? I'm much more comfortable after seeing them, knowing what I'm going to get, knowing that there's going to be some teams that are complete disasters early on. I, you know, Arkansas State already has that game out of the way. Their offense is explosive. Kansas State rebuilding that secondary. And Kansas State uh, it could be messy early. It wouldn't shock me if Arkansas State won this game. They could get blown out, but this is a high variance game with two completely contrasting styles. Give me Ark State. Uh, I'm going to go with South
3: Alabama. I loved what I saw in a Desmond Trotter success rate. Uh, South Alabama is back. Yeah, can you believe it? I mean, we were hot on them. We've been hot on them for years, especially after they outright beat Mississippi State a couple of years ago. And then I always talk you into it at the beginning of the year, and it never panned out till this year. So, I mean, Desmond Trotter's success rate way up in the box score. He had explosive drives more than the national average. The influx of transfers has played a key role there. Uh, I just think from a box, port, box score perspective, South Alabama was more impressive than the score actually showed. And if you flip over and look at the Tulane side, listen, I love the Green Wave. I love Angry Wave more than anybody. You know, they only return 21% of their offensive production. That's low. They lose star quarterback Justin McMillan. They're replacing him with Keon Howard. I think 18 pass attempts last season. Uh, Three offensive linemen with nine starts or more. So there's not much experience on the offensive line. I think South Alabama, who's going to be playing at home here, making Tulane travel on their first game of the season with only 21% of their offense coming back uh, to understand, you know, Willie Fritz's offense, a hallball. ball, give me South Alabama at home.
1: fading the olive and blue. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, look, there's, Tulane has quarterback questions and I'm not a Howard fan. He was benched what, like three or four times at Southern Miss. They lose their two best receivers. They're D's experience. They have a good backfield, but I, I don't hate it. Now the problem Maybe I will bet South Alabama because then you finally convince me to get back on the training. And then if I win, I win money. If I lose, I can yell at you on the podcast. Yeah. I can call into the voicemail. So I like it. Uh, we'll have a underdog money line parlay written piece um, up on the app and website Friday night, Saturday morning. So make sure you check out that. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you download the Action Network app. Check out all of our college football content. Voicemail, voicemail, voicemail this weekend. We have, you know, 13 games. We have NFL. Call in. Go to my Twitter handle, at Stucky2. You'll see the voicemail. Call it in any hour of the night. Yell, scream, bitch, moan. Get it out there on our recap episodes, which come out on Mondays, Monday mornings. We'll talk about the weekend that was. Uh, We'll play some of the best voicemails. Uh, So thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining me, Colin. Uh, We will catch you all on Monday. Good luck this weekend. We're out. Cheers. Peace out.